Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. episode begins with a reading from Brooklyn-based writer Erica Vering, who shares a passage from a book that she recently reread. Here's more from Erica. My name is Erica Vering. I'm a writer from Iowa, living in Brooklyn. Rereading beloved books has been my preferred method of slowing down. Recently, I reread Claire Louise Bennett's Pond. Having a familiarity with the plot, or in the case of this strange, brilliant book, lack of plot, helps certain details come into greater contrast. Plus, I'm an underliner, so it's always an interesting experiment in nostalgia. Pond is about a woman living alone in a coastal village. The interiority of her solitude makes each chapter feel like its own short, slow story. The following passage is one I found enthusiastically underlined from a chapter titled, Words Escape Me. And even though it was almost completely dark by now, I opened a notebook by the fire and wrote some things down. There were lines across the pages, but they were imperceptible because of how dark it had become. And once a word was written, it was quite irretrievable, as if abducted. I went on, sinking words into the pages, perhaps wondering what or who was taking them. And then, for the first time that day, Just as it was ending, I knew where I was. I was far beneath the ground at last, and my blood thronged and my heart flounced back and forth bewitchingly. The pen came to settle in the seam of my notebook. Sooner or later, I thought, you're going to have to speak up. Thank you so much again to Erica for sharing. Again, the book she read from is called Pond, and it's by Claire Louise Bennett. Now here's my conversation with Jessica Manning. Time and time again, we've witnessed how storytelling can transcend barriers and ignite our senses. The latter has become especially important in our interconnected age, and artists like Jessica Manning are living proof of how the digital space can be a powerful vehicle to create and tell stories that remain in our hearts. For Jessica, this has notably come to life through music. The singer-songwriter's rich vocals and poignant lyrics are just a few details that have shaped her thoughtful perspective and presence as an artist. And most recently, Jessica showcased this musical prowess in her newly released EP titled You Are Here. Yet even with this milestone, Jessica is no stranger to the importance of slowing down. And this has become even more apparent as she's navigated working in a space predicated on output and performance. For Jessica, pivots have become part of her process, and the result has enabled her to broaden her creative approach so that she can tell stories in new and exciting ways. And in this interview, Jessica shared more about her ongoing evolution, the origins of You Are Here, and her musical journey as a whole, and what she's learned about changing her pace to cultivate a more considered creative practice. This conversation is full of inspiration from beginning to end, but I won't give too much more away. And on that note, enjoy my conversation with musician and creator, Jessica Manning. 
My name is Jessica Manning and my profession kind of encompasses a lot of different things in the creative realm, but outside of that, I really value time spent with the people that I love. I'm kind of a simple person and family and friends and food, traveling, learning new things, honestly listening to podcasts and hearing other people's experiences. Those kind of simple things are, are what bring me a lot of joy. Do you find yourself gravitating towards anything new as of late? You know, I have certain kind of new creative outlets that are for no purpose other than to just kind of switch up the days. Um, I've been painting a little bit, uh, which has just kind of been a new thing. I'm by no means a painter. I don't have any desire to, to sort of dive into that in any kind of professional way, but it's just been really fun to kind of express yourself in, in some of the ways that you would when you were young, maybe, and just sort of distract your mind from everything that's going on and the weight of the world right now. So that's kind of just been a new fun thing. You know, I went to the store and bought all the paint brushes and different colors. And it's just kind of fun to lean into something that you're not familiar with. So that's definitely brought me a little bit of joy lately and, and just been something new and fun. I can totally relate. I haven't read The Artist's Way, but I've been seeing a lot of people, I guess, kind of dive into morning pages. I don't know if you've seen yes. that practice. I've been doing night pages because as much as I try, I'm just not a morning person. So I've been trying to kind of scribble down thoughts as the day winds down. But it's so, yeah, it's so important, I think, to kind of indulge in those creative practices outside of screens. And obviously, there's so much that has culminated in how you approach your creativity. And we'll talk a little bit about that as our conversation progresses. But before we sort of get into your story, I'm actually wondering if you can share a story, whether it's an article or a poem or a book that made you slow down recently or just re-inspired your relationship with creativity in new ways? Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, there's a number of things that we sort of take in daily. Um, and a lot of that for me, honestly, is through kind of a visual lens online and in social media. But there are a few things that have stood out to me lately that are outside of that realm, which is not always as common for me in the day to day, honestly. But one book that has really been inspiring to me lately is actually a book chronicling the life of a late artist named Noah Davis. It's an art book that was created by, I think it was sort of compiled by a few different from people after his passing in 2015. But he was a Black painter born in California, and his paintings were all kind of sort of just of Black people in, quote, normal circumstances, just sort of normal experiences, you know, lying on the couch, watching a show, you know, riding a horse, or just kind of traditional settings rather than seeing Black people in some of the ways that they're portrayed in, in film and media and television today. So that has just been inspiring to me. Like I said, I really like a slow paced life. And I think the older I get, the more that resonates with me. And I am reminded of how simple things really bring me a lot of joy. And so just looking at his paintings and kind of learning a little bit more about his life has kind of been a reminder to slow down and that there's a lot of beauty in the mundane and the simple moments. Yeah, I think... There's so much that we can discover, even in those small practices of opening a book or just kind of taking a step back and appreciating art away from the busyness. But can you walk us through a little bit about your relationship with creativity and share a little bit about what came first, whether it was a proclivity for storytelling or performance or what kind of drew you into this and, you know, what's endured? 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm not really sure which came first, whether it was performing or storytelling. I want to say probably storytelling. It's pretty deeply a part of who I am to, to just be very honest and vulnerable and open to sharing my experiences and wanting to have conversations with others about their experiences. It's something that I think it has kind of been in me for a very long time. I, I was kind of that kid that grew up feeling like I was born in the wrong time or older than my peers because, you know, I, I wanted to sit down and have conversations conversations with people. And so I think storytelling probably would be the thing that came first. But then I also grew up with a father who was a performer and a singer as well. So from a very young age, I saw him on stage and I saw sort of what performing and storytelling could do for other people and, you know, how a crowd would react to his sharing of his heart and his experience on a stage. So, you know, certainly both from a young age, but I think this, um, kind of fascination with storytelling and realizing that we have so much power in sharing our own stories probably came first. Do you remember the first time you saw him perform? Well, I have one experience when I was two, I want to say like two years old, which sounds crazy that I would even remember that. And frankly, maybe I don't, maybe it's a photograph or a story my mom told me or something, but I was actually born in Stockholm, Sweden. um, And that's where my father was a musician in Scandinavia and in Europe and touring, but based in Stockholm. And well, I always wanted to go. I had, you know, when he had a show, I was always fascinated with going from a very young age and, and obviously playing clubs and bars late at night was not necessarily a place for a two-year-old, but often, you know, I would convince my mom to take me and and I would sit backstage with her and kind of watch him from the side. And I remember or had been told many times a story of being backstage at that age and looking at my dad and saying, you know, I want to do that, you know, in Swedish actually. Um, But yeah, but it's kind of noticing at that time, the power of that and kind of seeing the audience react to his presence and his vulnerability. And I definitely think that's something that's stuck with me and has been kind of a big driving force in in my vulnerability and creativity and storytelling throughout my different career paths. I mean, it makes sense. And it's interesting to hear you talk about being in another country at that time. Do you feel connected to Stockholm still? Or is there sort of like a, a separation between that part of your life and now? Yes, I'm very connected to Stockholm. I I was born there. And then I lived there until I was six years old. And although it was a short time in my life, I feel very rooted in the Scandinavian culture and sort of the European ideals of life. Especially Sweden has a very, I mean, in general, the culture is kind of a slower pace and they have a saying called lagom, which doesn't really translate directly, but it essentially means not too little, not too much, but just enough. That's really something that I resonate with and always have. And I actually feel like when we moved to the States, even though I was six, I feel like that was something that I struggled with kind of honestly my whole life until even this point is just feeling like a piece of me was sort of minded in this European culture and not quite understood in America, especially with my, you know, young peers. So yeah, it's a culture that I'm very connected to. It's a place I'm very connected to. And it's a place that I think a lot about going back to. I've been to Stockholm twice and, you know, so much of what you're saying, it's kind of revealing memories of just little moments that I would catch of people living their lives there. The pace is certainly different. I kind of just felt there was a deeper level of contentment that isn't as apparent to me here. I'm in New York, so that's just a whole other <laughs> beast yeah. in itself in terms of that energy. Very fast pace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure that those influences have stayed with you in ways that haven't even revealed themselves in your work yet. And I think there's a lot to get into in terms of your creative journey 
But while we're on the subject of music, I just want to have you talk about what you've learned about the difference in terms of writing music versus performing it. This is something that I think a lot about in terms of storytelling. When I started this podcast, it was something that was a really big deal for me because I'm actually very, very shy. And I was getting to a point where I felt like I was using my devices to sort of hide my voice or not show up as fully as I could. And this is a way to kind of reclaim some of that humanity and just to kind of again, literally use my voice. So I'm curious if you find that balance to be a challenge or if it's even a thought as a creative person in this digital age. I mean, I think that's a really good question because there is, you know, I guess maybe it's not the same for every musician, but there certainly is a difference for me in the way that I feel when I'm writing or kind of getting out this story that I want to share and the way that I feel when I'm performing. You know, sometimes that even just differs performance to performance. Sometimes I feel differently from one show to the next, but I also would say, you know, I'm a very social person and I'm a conversationalist and I love meeting people. However, I've learned as I have gotten older, that I really, really am quite introverted in many ways. And I really recharge when I'm alone and at home and in my space that I feel comfortable in and I know where everything is and all of that. And so sometimes the performing bit is a lot for me. And and even just thinking about the, the music industry as a whole, which is something that I really, you know, at a certain point when I was pursuing music very heavily, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of thinking about what the industry wants and how you should perform and what kind of energy you should bring to a performance and all of these things that don't really have anything to do with the storytelling. And, you know, I guess for some artists it does, that's part of the storytelling. But for me, my storytelling, you know, lies very much in the song and in the lyrics. And so, yeah, it's something that, I don't know, it's something that I, I guess have navigated over time, but I think I feel best when I'm storytelling through just the writing and through the lyrics and through the song itself rather than the performing. So over time, it's something that I've thought about and kind of adjusted how I want to be a musician and what capacity. And I think the performing bit is something that I have to sort of reassess a little bit and and figure out how best that suits me. I want to talk more about that because, you know, before we set this interview up, we were going back and forth a little bit and I found it so interesting that you were sort of in a process of pivoting or evolution. And I think this is a subject that is so relevant to how many of us are trying to navigate this really transformational time. I saw that you had shared a post on your Instagram, which introduced your new EP and you wrote something that resonated with me and and you said, I spend a lot of time trying to look ahead, searching for ways to mold the future, and I'm learning slowly that I must sit in the beauty that is now. I want to have you talk a little bit about what the genesis of this was and how your overall relationship with pace has changed as you kind of endure this creative evolution and why you found yourself at this point now and what you're hoping to pursue further. Well, when I wrote that, when I released the EP and I wrote that I'm somebody that really is always trying to look to the future and sort of almost predict what my life might look like five years from now or where I'll end up. Or, you know, I was talking about Sweden and potentially wanting to, you know, end up there one day. And there's all these possibilities that everybody has regardless of where they live or what their jobs are or whatever. But I have a hard time sometimes not just sitting in this fantasy of what could be and It's been, you know, I think it's been sort of a slow evolution over the years, just growing older in general. I think you find a contentment in the the current moment and you learn that, you know, just through experience that you can't choose anything or you can't, you know, predict the future. You can't have a full grasp of what your life is going to look like in five years. It's just not possible. You know, things change all the time and your mind changes and your vision for your future changes. I'm kind of learning 
slowly, like I said, to just embrace the moment that is now. And, and honestly, during this pandemic and, and during you know this past year with so much going on in this world and in this country, I think for the first time I'm feeling more at peace in the now. It's so clear that there's so much that we can't predict and that we can't have a hand in. So yeah, I think... I'm just learning to to be comfortable with where I'm at. And it doesn't mean that you can't dream for the future and have, you know, conversations about what could be. But I think it's important to appreciate this time. And, you know, I think when I think about being young and I was talking about always feeling like I was born in the wrong time or feeling like I was, you know, in the wrong group of friends, you know, I'd go over to my friends' houses and I would be in the kitchen talking to their mom the whole time and not be hanging out with my friends. And I think that's just kind of a general feeling that I have had throughout my life is that. I'm yearning for something that hasn't happened yet. But I think I'm learning now that there's kind of a mistake to be made within that because then you're just kind of missing it. Um, So the EP that I released, um, it was a five song EP that I've been working on for a handful of years, you know, a few of the songs here and there. But you know, this is a project that it sort of felt like the songs in total really encapsulated where I find myself now and sort of what I've spoken about a little bit here is, you know, just trying to be a little bit more in the present, not trying to dictate too much of the future and not trying to look ahead, but really sitting with where I am now. The EP is titled You Are Here. So if that's not fitting, um, but <laughs> In Neutral is uh, the song I believe that's going to play here at the end. But this is a song that I actually wrote following a month living in New York last summer, I believe it was, or maybe it was two summers ago. And yeah, my fiance and I were boyfriend at the time. Uh, We were living in New York for a month. We decided to go for kind of a longer period of time because we actually were thinking about moving there and we wanted to kind of get a larger grasp on what that would be like. But my grandmother on my dad's side lived in Harlem and she actually fell ill around that same time. And so this trip that we had planned to sort of be, you know, in the city and just kind of doing whatever we felt that day started to slowly shift to spending a lot of our days in the hospital beside my grandmother, which was honestly the biggest blessing to happen to be there at that time. And she actually passed while we were there. And Yeah, it was just a really incredible experience. And it sort of, my dad was there as well. He was living with her the, you know, the past two years of her life. And my brother and sister flew in um, as things were kind of taking a turn. And and it was just a really beautiful time that we were all five kind of surrounding her in the hospital for those last few days. And, And that song in neutral really sort of encapsulates that experience, that experience of being in New York for a month, kind of trying to figure out our next step in life. And then the experience of you know, seeing someone else's life kind of come to a close, you know, 93 beautiful years of life and all kind of being in that together. And then watching my dad, who was an only child and just him and his mom, you know, his whole life thick as thieves together. And yeah, it was just a really beautiful experience. And I think it made me reflect a lot about being in the present and being sort of in neutral and not seeing that as a bad thing, but just sort of taking it minute by minute, step by step, day by day in the hospital, not really knowing, but ultimately kind of being in that together that felt good no idea I'm so sorry for your loss but what a beautiful tribute to her yeah and you know it wasn't even it wasn't necessarily tragic or anything you know she was she was 93 and she had lived this amazing beautiful life honestly it was just a really interesting experience to see my dad sort of going through that and sort of almost witnessing him experience a loss of that magnitude for the first time yeah it was it was beautiful but I think it it showed a lot to all of us about just being in that moment and 
while my fiance and I were in New York trying to sort of like picture what it could be like in the future to live there and trying to plan ahead. On the other hand, spending days in a hospital, really like sitting in the moment and just waiting. It was two kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, but so many lessons were kind of learned within that time. What did your dad think of the song? Does he know about its context? Yes, he does know about the context. He loves it. I think he's, it's really interesting when it comes to my music. He's so proud and he loves it. And he, you know, he's the first to say, you know, I need you to send a CD to so-and-so aunt and uncle. And <laughs> he he's very supportive and very proud, but he doesn't always get super deep into the lyrics with me. I think he does that on his own. My dad is is sort of one of those old school, keeps his emotions close a little bit. And yeah, I can hear it in his voice, but we don't always talk about it specifically, but I know he thinks it's beautiful and it gives him a lot of pride to know that I wrote a song about his mom. That's for sure. I'm not a musician and I'm not sure if this is something that people do, but do you listen to your work or reflect on it after or do you just step away? It sort of depends what frame of mind I'm in. You know, it comes and goes. I, I wouldn't say that I sit around and listen to my music, um, but there are times when I, especially around the release, I definitely turned it on at that time and listened through and, you know, have a moment of feeling proud of this project that we put together and we released. And when I say we, I'm talking about my fiance who actually produced most of the project and helped me with a lot of the work on this EP. So for both of us, it was fun to sort of listen to it as it was coming out and sort of try to picture what it would feel like to hear it for the first time as everyone is hearing it for for the first time. And there's definitely something special in that. Beyond that, I don't think I really spend too much time listening to it, you know, maybe on occasion if I want to hear something specific. But I think once it's out, I think it's for everybody else. I feel like the music was healing for me in the writing. And that was sort of the, the piece that was for me. But once I put it out into the world, it means what it needs to mean for everybody listening. And, and it doesn't feel like it belongs to me in the same way anymore. I mean, the writing part, I would imagine, is so personal and in many ways probably a pretty solitary act. But as you were speaking about your fiance's involvement and I'm sure other collaborators and just supporters of yours, you know, I'm curious about how music has kind of taught you about your sense of self and really defined your relationship with storytelling and maybe ways that you hadn't even thought of before you started this endeavor. You know, I think music and, and writing in any way, you know, I, you could talk about songwriting, you could talk about writing in a diary at the end of the night, or any sort of form of expressing what's on your mind and on your heart. I think that that is extremely important and I think it's extremely therapeutic. And I think, I don't think I realized when I started writing songs at 15 years old, how needed it was, how much I needed to get what was swirling around in my mind just out. And I don't even think at the time I was picturing performing it in front of anybody or recording music at all. You know, that was never even thinking about having a song recorded was just like so far out of my thinking that, you know, it's, it's, just the act itself of of putting your thoughts on paper and getting it outside of your body is extremely healing and it just feels good. And then of course, you know, after I did record things and start to perform and, and talk to people after shows and hear people come up and say, you know, this resonated with me so deeply. I went through such and such experience and this really made me feel seen or heard. Like, I mean, that's the the greatest thing you could ever ask for. And I think that's when you really see the power of sharing your experience and being honest and being vulnerable. I think that's that's the connectedness that we can all give each other. Absolutely. Is there a lyric that you've written that you think best sort of encapsulates where you are right now? 
whether personally, professionally, or creatively? Hmm. I might have to think on that one for a second. Let me come back to that one. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like I am like singing the songs. I'm singing through parts of songs in my head. Like you asked before, I, I don't necessarily spend a lot of time listening to it. So it, it takes me a minute to even get back to some of those lyrics and words. Is there a theme or sort of a connective thread throughout your music and its evolution that you think is relevant to what people are going through today or something that you hope to carry through in other endeavors? Because in addition to your music, you know, you work on other creative projects that range from styling to brand collaborations. And I think that's something that's important to touch on because in many ways, the digital space can be an incredible tool for connection and to showcase what we're working on. But it's also still in a lot of ways filtered. So we're only seeing what we choose to share. And I think speaking about kind of the holistic experience of working in this space and dabbling in other areas and pursuing other interests is something that I hope to kind of explore more with slow stories. So whether you're working on a visual story or on your music, I'd love to have you talk a little bit about how you've learned to create with longevity in the digital space and how it's also kind of inspired you to reclaim a sense of humanity that can sometimes get lost as we're so plugged in and just trying to keep up with the speed of creativity in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think sometimes with you know, I guess with any art, whether it's music or collaborations on social media, I'm speaking, I guess, to my to my own work now. But I think that as people in general in this digital age, we can get really wrapped up in trying to figure out what other people want to hear from us and what other people want to see from us and what would get the most engagement or what would, you know, get the most plays on a song. And I think, you know, there's a level of doing that that maybe feels practical from a career standpoint. But I think ultimately what I always come back to is that that feels a little formulaic. And I think time and time again, I know for me personally, I connect most to music and art and people on social media who are sharing their honest experience as it's happening. I think that's kind of our responsibility in some ways when we are, you know, sharing this space with other people online and sharing our music with people. i feel like there's a little bit of, you know, there's a sense of responsibility in pulling back the curtain and sharing what's really happening and what you're really going through because everybody has that, you know. It doesn't matter how how beautifully and perfectly you lay out your social media or how, you know, you choose to release your music, but I think time and time again what people come back to is the words that you're sharing, the story that you're telling, the honest experience that you're having whether that's good or bad. Sometimes I hear a lot of people say, you know, yeah, social media is definitely a highlight reel. However, I don't see anything wrong with posting a beautiful image, but then choosing to share some words that might be a little bit more raw, might be a little bit more honest. I think there are ways to connect with people that aren't solely sharing the struggle, but are also being honest. Yeah, I think that's the balance. I think with music or any art, I think we need to remember that we have a responsibility as people to share what our experience is, because everybody, no matter what background, no matter what your financial situation is, everybody is going through something. And I think, I mean, honestly, with this pandemic, that's something that we're realizing is that we're far more connected than we realize. It's taken enforced stillness and 
the act of slowing down to really recalibrate and be able to embrace that honesty that you're talking about with more passion, I guess. And I think for me, I've been working, living, creating in this space for the last 10 years. And so Slow Stories is really in reaction to everything that I think we're collectively trying to unlearn in so many ways. You know, to your point about telling those stories and really making an effort to to go there and to show up in ways that are beyond vanity and aesthetics. Something that I think has become really clear to me is our relationship with pace and how we make time to do that, but also breathing new life into movements around slowness. So slow fashion, slow food in the context of slow stories, slow content. And so, you know, something that I always like to ask my guests is what this idea of slow content or storytelling means to them. And so whether it's music or storytelling, I'd love to pose that question to you. And how would you frame it in your overarching creative practice? It's funny because slow content means two almost different things to me within the different spaces that I work. So with music, it's almost literal <laughs> because mm-hmm. I, I've really slowed down my musical journey quite a bit. I obviously just released an EP that was really in, kind of in the making for a handful of years. So it felt really good to put that out. But now I'm, I'm not really looking to you know create another work right away or figure out how to get a lot of press for it or you know the things that I would have maybe done in the past with music. I'm, I'm not really doing it the same way anymore with this release. Um, and that feels really good. And I would say that that feels kind of like slowing that down um, and taking a slower approach to to that project. So that in that way, I would say in the music sense, it's it's quite literal. And I'm just kind of slowing down the pace of what that looks like for me in my career. And with content with the social media bit, which is honestly kind of taken the forefront of my creative work currently, I would say just, again, you know, sharing what feels important, you know, it doesn't mean it's not to say that everything that you post has to be some, you know, deep unburdening of your heart. But I think, you know, just being intentional with what you're sharing and trying to connect with people. And I think for me, what it comes down to is recognizing that social media is not the end all be all or content is not the end all be all. You know, this is something that's become really big in our lives in the past decade, maybe. But I think, you know, really coming inside of yourself and and recognizing, you know, thinking about the times when you felt best. For me, often those times are times outside of social media, times outside of technology, moments with my family and friends in a place that I connected to. I think, yeah, I think that's sort of, for me, moving forward, recognizing that you know, the weight of how I feel and who I am is not rooted in any kind of content. And slowing down really means finding ways to step away from that when it feels right. And when you are in it, being a little bit more intentional about what you're putting out there. I think too, a lot of how people have been able to to do that on a much larger scale than maybe the past would have allowed, just given the fact that we're all at home and moving at a slower pace, is really leaning into that introspection and asking questions of ourselves and of others that allow us to kind of redefine how we move through the space with intention. And, you know, as you kind of look to the future in terms of life right now, creativity right now, it's so hard to know. And to your point earlier, I know you're trying to stay in the present, but is there a particular question that you hope people start asking you more often as it kind of pertains to some of the things that we've talked about? Yeah, I think that in general, this is something that I think about 
when I'm speaking to other people as well, I, I want to be a little bit more thoughtful about what I ask others. But I think one of the main questions that we tend to ask people when we, especially when we're meeting someone for the first time or, or what have you is, you know, what do you do? What, what does your work look like? Although that can be, you know, a great point of connection. And of course, you know, meeting like-minded people and collaborating with other people and that's all great. But I think it's important for me anyway, to remember that I am so much more than what I put into the world through work. And, and I would even say that that work qualifies as music too, you know, whether or not that's a big, you know, I'm sharing a big piece of my heart with my music. It's still something that I'm putting out into the world in the frame of work. And so I think I would love for people to ask, how are you feeling? What makes you happy? What is inspiring you lately? What is someplace you want to travel to? Yeah, I think I think asking people more about what's on their hearts and less about what's in their calendar would be really important. It's something that I certainly react to when I'm asked questions like that. It's a little bit more thoughtful, I think. So I'll follow up with that and ask sort of a two-part. First, obviously, what's in your heart and what's something that you want to leave in somebody else's heart? What's in my heart? Hmm. There's a lot in my heart. <laughs> There's a lot of things swirling around in there. I think ultimately just my connectedness to my family and my friends and shared experiences, you know, that have nothing to do with work or social media or some sort of outside point of view, but just those really beautiful, simple experiences. You know, I think we all have a day that you can think back to some memory that just felt like the perfect day. And then, you know, if you pick it apart, you realize you were really doing not a whole lot, but you were just surrounded by people that you loved and having a conversation that felt good. And, you know, maybe the sun was shining, who knows? So that, yeah, that would be something that's on my heart um, kind of always. And I think that's sort of what I try to come back to and sort of what I hope to see more of in my future. And something that I'd like to leave on other people's hearts or in other people's hearts is a feeling of being understood. I think that's something that I speak a lot about when I perform, share my music with others, um, is this feeling of this idea of wanting to leave people that night walking away from my show feeling like something that I said or something that I sang made them feel understood. I think, think that's kind of the greatest gift we have to give each other is this feeling of connectedness, even if we don't know each other, and a feeling like maybe something that I went through, even if it's worlds away from what you went through, maybe something in that connected us, and maybe some piece of that we both have an understanding of.
Jessica Manning singing in neutral from her EP, You Are Here Now. You can purchase her music at jessicamanning.bandcamp.com and follow her at jessica underscore manning. I'm Rachel Schwartzman. Thank you so much for tuning in.